Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 304 of the world's kind of somewhat dangerous podcast. This is your host, Chad Dotson. Joining me this week, your friend and mine, Chris Garber. How are you today, Chris? Hello, folks. Hello, folks. I am great. Now, wait a minute. I, I, I addressed you directly, and instead you ignored me and uh, directed your comments to the listeners. What's that all about? I'm speaking to the studio audience as oh, well okay. as to you. Well, Red Lake Nation Radio is filmed in front of a live studio audience. Just like Happy Days. <laughs> Videotape. <laughs> exactly. Speaking of Happy Days, hey, Shogo Akiyama. That's going to be fun to say, huh? I, you know, I keep reading the pronunciation guide, and... I think I feel like I've seen three different pronunciation guides, unfortunately, but I'm not. So it's Shogo Akiyama. That's that's what we're going to go with. right? I've seen different pronunciation guides as well. And I think it's Akiyama. 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 I, I mean, I, we all know that we, we are just in a holding pattern. So the definitive pronunciation is decreed by Tom Brenneman during spring training. Yeah. Shogo Akiyama from Middletown, Japan. <laughs> Right? I think that's right. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> the Reds introduced uh, <laughs> Shogo this week. He finally made it over, got his physical, passed it, and uh, had a little press conference and showed him wearing the uh, Reds uniform. Going to wear number four. Now, were you as offended, as offended as many were on Twitter about Shogo Akiyama wearing number uniform number four? A slap in the face to a former uh, Reds second baseman. And uh, of course, we're all talking about Scooter Jeanette. Exactly. Who wore number four. <laughs> Um, I, I love the, I know that a lot of people, it's, it's fake drama, but there are, if you, if you, and you don't want to dig too deep on Twitter, but there are people seriously upset that they would give Brandon Phillips number away. It's really crazy. <laughs> I um, think they should let everybody wear a number four at the same time. Kind of like Jackie Robinson day, but <laughs> we'll have Brandon like, Phillips day. M- no, just like make Brandon mad day. <laughs> That's every day in Cincinnati, baby. Um, so, you know, the, uh, it was, it was a typical press conference, except that the media was, you know, four or five times larger than usual because of all the Japanese media there. Shogo Akiyama's first quote was, the Reds were the first team that made an offer to me. I was inspired by their passion, how much they wanted me. So the first team to contact him, he said, first team to make an offer and, um, uh, or something else. But he said they, they showed the most, uh, passion in wanting to acquire him. I don't know what to make of that, but good, I guess I like having this guy. Well, well, I'll, yeah, and I'll say this. I mean, I feel like this Reds organization has, you, you know, they don't get every guy they go for, but it does seem that they really have their act together when it comes to, like, putting their best foot forward. Doesn't it? Yes. You know, the Otani, if you remember the That's show, Otani, yeah. Otani, they had the, you know, it sounded like anyway, they did a really good job of, of pitching the Reds as a, as a contender when they, when they weren't a realistic contender for his services. And I was listening to a uh, podcast this afternoon with Kyle Bodie, and he kind of talked a little bit about the interview process with the Reds and how it compared to some of the other teams he was, who were courting him, uh, you know, late last summer. And again, they, they just sound like they've really got their act together in terms of presenting themselves and having a plan for who they're talking to and how the, the person could fit in. So doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. And a couple of years, really, they've gone from being kind of in the stone ages in terms of what baseball teams do to, I don't know if they're at the forefront or not, but at least they are uh, competitive with other big league organizations. And, uh, you know, you got to give full credit to really to Dick Williams is, is the, the biggest factor behind that. Cause he's been the, 
I mean, obviously Nick Crawl and the rest of the team there are um, involved as well, but things changed significantly once Dick Williams got to actually make some decisions, right? Yeah, you know, I was I was thinking about that, and I I really would love to know the dynamic of how that all went down, and I it's it seems very clear that Dick Williams and Walt Jockety were the the tone setters, I guess, if you will, for the organization. And I don't know, I, I, you know, obviously they're not the owners of the team. So somebody, the shot callers were were being, were influencing the boss. You know what I mean? So, right, yeah. It, it, but it's just a really weird thing because Dick was in the front office and in a high level position, <laughs> yeah. nominally the general manager. I don't think he, I, I, I don't think it's him changing his ways. You know, I think it's. Right. It's him being given a free hand to run the organization the way he thought it should be run. Well, things changed so it was overnight, really, and it was right around this time that you know there were the reports of, of him taking over. Yeah, I agree. You're right. He was part of the previous regime. You can't really, you know, he has to be, I guess, uh, tarred with that a little bit. But uh, it's just amazing. As much as we've complained, uh, you know, uh, since the beginning of Red Leg Nation back in '05 about the way this organization is run, you know, um, they're not getting everything done that they want to get done. But you're right. It's uh, it's 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 a breath of fresh air, frankly, and and you know you mentioned Otani last year and the Reds. There was the report about the Reds, the big uh, multimedia presentation they made, and Akiyama kind of uh, alluded to what they did for him. He said uh, the fact that there's never been a Japanese player here in Cincinnati was something that was very attractive, and the fact that the presentation presentation material was very inspiring. It made me want to play here. <laughs> I mean, really, I don't want to watch this now. I do. I, I'm imagining some kind of like you know the the. Uh... The music from the Naturals playing when they they somehow right. photoshopped his face on onto uh, you know um, Ryan Lamar's body or something and <laughs> walking around the stadium. I don't yeah. know how it would work, but uh, they need to release that absolutely. So um, he also said that uh, Nori Aoki, a Japanese player, was the first person I spoke to, and he gave me a lot of advice as far as how things are and approach things here and i've always been inspired to be like ichiro so those two players are the players i got advice from so yeah if he wants to be like ichiro that'd be fine right <laughs> that's, yeah, that's okay yeah that's a good call <laughs> so we do need to talk about where he fits in and, and what's going to happen the rest of the offseason we'll get to that in just one moment but we do need to uh mention that uh, nick martini was uh designated for assignment to make room on the 40-man roster for uh for shogo so uh are you, are, were you sad to see nick martini removed from the 40-man roster uh I I don't feel good about it. I don't know I the guy. I mean, I hate it for I, him. And nothing for yeah. I mean, but you know, he's been a red since November twenty fifth when the Reds picked him up off waivers. Well, he was a yeah. Wait, was he a? Uh, he was like non tendered by the Athletics, I think. Yeah. And yeah. So um, now, was this the guy who hit a bazillion home runs at AAA, or is this a different guy? I think that was. Uh, wasn't that Peyton? Mark Peyton? The oh uh, right, right. That's right. Five guy. Yeah. Um, or maybe it was Martini. No, you're right. You're right. Martini end of the year in San Diego. Okay, that's the, that's the Padres. Yeah, I'm familiar with the, with the Padres. Oh, okay, I, I wasn't sure how much you know about San yeah, Diego. Thanks, thanks. <laughs> um, the Padres were your favorite team for a short time. Is that uh, true? Or season, not true? It's untrue, but I was a partial season ticket holder. Ah, we're learning some things about Chris Garber here, author of uh, the Big Fifty that you didn't know. You're going to write the Big Fifty Padres next. The big, 50, the, the big 51, yeah. <laughs> big five, big five or six, big five. Yeah, I would, wait, what would that, that'd be a, a quite a book, you know? <laughs> okay. I think you're like number 11, Ryan Klesko. <laughs> right. Uh, number 10, cool uniforms. 
Yeah, it's like chapter 13. The other thing Tony Gwynn did. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's a... Chapter chapter 14, more Tony Gwynn. <laughs> oh, that's did good stuff. Dave Winfield was on this team once. That's right. That's funny. Um, okay, so the Reds have signed Shogo Akiyama. And, uh, boy, I, you know, my ridiculous accent is going to butcher that all season, and I really can't wait. But So the Reds now apparently have committed... Right at, a little under, but we'll say right at $125 million to uh, the budget for this year. And they've, you know, they've, they've said a couple times, uh, Dick Williams says, that we're going to have the highest, uh, you know, all-time high, I think is what, the way he put it, in terms of our payroll this year. Well, the all-time high before this year was $131 million. So they're still under that. So you would think they've still got plenty of room to work if they want to try so to acquire some they- they owe us $8 million is what you're saying. <laughs> exactly. They can split it up amongst us if they want. That'd be fine. So uh, so I only bring that up because those yeah, we don't really know how much they plan to spend, but it does appear they probably have some room to work, and, and they're still still active. And, and as a matter of fact, Dick Williams made a point of saying in, during the Akiyama press conference that we're not done. We're trying to do – we're continuing to try to uh, add players. We're, we, don't, we're not, we hope we're not finished, basically. And so um, – there were some reports about Francisco Lindor that we've all heard, and uh, your buddy Jim Bowden. Did you see uh, former Reds GM Leatherpants Bowden? Did you see his prediction? <laughs> he, no. What did he it predict? Was, it was Francisco Lindor is going to be traded to the Reds in exchange for Nick Senzel, Jonathan India, Tyler Malley, and a player to be named. Well, he's notoriously full of it, but um, th- that package – I do that trade. That package feels a little heavy, though, to me. I think it feels a lot, not a lot heavy, but it's probably more than I'm willing to do. Uh, You know, Senzel and India, maybe. I don't know, you know. uh, Yeah, I think kind of like take, pick two of those three and, and, and I'll give you a, you know, I don't know, Jose Siri, if you want. (laughs) There you go. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, evidently the reports were that the, you know, teams were asked to make their best offers for Lindor and, and the Indians were supposedly not impressed with it, with any of them, and we'll see what that means. But uh, you know, the Reds uh, have certainly tried, and we'll continue to try. I'm sure. I've always been of the opinion that I don't think the Indians are going to trade Lindor, uh, at least not until the trade deadline. I, I just don't know what they're going to like. W- they're in that weird spot that the Reds have been before, where it's kind of half in, half out. I guess. I guess they think their division is winnable, even with a you know eighty percent of the team they had before. Is that they may not be wrong. Yeah, you know? I mean, I guess so. I mean, the Twins I, were way out over their skis, and the White Sox are, are going to try, but who knows with them yet. So, but yet yeah, two years of Lindor left, and he's he's not expensive for a player of his caliber. I, that's, I'm not sure that's a guy I'd be looking to move right now. But I don't know. What do I know? They're, they're just constantly trying to trying to uh, cut payroll now. Um, another thing that was reported today was Ken Rosenthal in the Athletic saying that the Reds have been, quote-unquote, have been interested in Dodgers shortstop Corey Seager all offseason. Um, I, I mean, I've been interested in Corey Seager playing for the Reds for more than just this offseason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure it's a that. weird phrasing, isn't it? I feel like that's how it works. Like, they don't just, who who you mean? Kyle what? <laughs> right. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Corey Seager's a guy I'd love to have. He's kind of like, he's not quite Lindor, obviously, but uh, he's a young shortstop that's an all-star caliber shortstop and would kind of... Um, you know, round off this offense, but uh, I guess that's that's where I'm going here. Is do you see? This is something we talked about a little bit before we started recording. 
I said that I think the Reds have to make another deal at this point, given the way the roster is. And and you were like, well, do they have to, or do they just want to? What do you what do you what do you think about that? Well, I mean, I think it's. I mean, obviously, the the, the cupboard's starting to to thin out here. I mean, uh, you know what the the top fifty free agents. There's probably about seven or eight left, maybe, right. and and most of them are guys you don't you know. Do you want Hunter Pence or or Brock Holt? No, we don't. So, I mean, I think they definitely could use. That's how I just say they they could use another another player, another bat, and honestly, a shortstop or a catcher. But I, you know, I feel not terrible about going to to start the season with what they've got, and maybe they can add something at the trade deadline or midseason if they if they're in it. Yeah. Um... I don't know. I go back and forth. I mean, I think they've certainly done enough so far to improve. And, uh, you know, there, there was, a, a something, I guess on MLB network where they had the reds as, uh, predicted to be the NL central champs this year, but you know, and I've seen some of the computer, uh, you know, uh, playoff odds and all that. And it shows the reds looking pretty good, but, uh, yeah, I can see them being upper eighties in wins. And, you know, that's not a far cry from, you know, a playoff, a, a team that really can be competitive in the playoffs. But on the other hand, I just look at this roster and I think it's so thin that they're an injury or two away from just being back in fourth or fifth place, you know? Yeah. yeah well, they're really thin everywhere but the outfield. Are they not thin in the outfield too? I, mean, I, really? I don't know. I mean, I think they've got five guys who could be plausible starters. Uh, I would say four, but even the fourth one I'm iffy on. Are you iffy on, on Aquino? On Aquino, yeah. Oh. I don't think we've seen enough from him yet. I'm not, I'm not willing to trust him. Well, no, but I mean, if if he's your fourth guy, I, that's okay, right? Yeah, but I mean, you know, what if he's the guy we saw in September last year and we somebody gets hurt and he's got to play full-time for two months? You know, I mean, are we okay with that? Maybe. He may be the guy we saw or somewhere between the guy from August and September. Uh, you know, but, you know, I'm, I'm concerned that we'll be dependent on a guy that we really has never hit before last year. Yeah, fair. So I don't know. I mean, you know, I don't. I don't mind the Winker, Irvin, Platoon, and left. Uh, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm all in on Senzel and center. And if Akiyama's playing right or however they play, play that, David Bell did make a point of noting that as of now, Senzel is the center fielder. They're they're not. You know, they're. Uh, I know Akiyama can play. He said he'd play wherever he wanted to, wherever he, the Reds wanted him to. But uh, Bell made a point of of, of saying that Senzel is, we, you know, he's still learning the position, so we have to have him in center field right now well that's i think that's good because i i don't i mean akiyama might be better than senzel this year at center field possibly right i don't know but i feel like for senzel's development and and the long-term future of the team then just leave him there and let him sort it out and as a, as athletic as senzel is you know he's he's very likely uh, or has a good chance to be one of the better center fielders in the national league so eventually maybe not this year but eventually if he gets uh, enough reps out there. So, yeah, I mean, I guess I'm okay with the outfield, but our infield, we're t- we got Freddie Galvis at shortstop, and if Freddie Galvis gets hurt, I mean, who do yeah, you- uh, Yeah, right, it's Blandino or Kyle Farmer playing shortstop. I mean, uh, yeah, you know, Moustakas is barely a second baseman. Yeah, and if he gets hurt, who do they have a second base? I mean, well, they they got Van Meter, so at least that's... Yeah, I guess so, yeah. Everyone got excited about him, you might remember that week. <laughs> right, but now I like Van Meter. He's the, he's the type of guy that I, you know, think about these years where we had the, 
you know, Jack Hanahan's on the bench, and, and Van Meter is a huge upgrade on that. Play four or five different positions, and you know, he'll I think he'll be an average hitter at least. Yeah. So yeah, I guess he'll get on base. I guess he's okay in a pinch. Uh, first base, you know, I guess whatever. Whatever, whatever. I mean, if, today Casali. Yeah, I guess Tucker Barnhart can play first base if if the guy they have right there doesn't work out. Yeah. I don't know. I just I mean honestly, if first base doesn't work out, you're they're they're done anyway. So that's probably true, actually. That's probably true. Um but let me just say I do believe that Joey Votto is gonna be the most valuable player in the National League this year. So just I never never count him out. Um Yeah, I just I feel like they're good. I feel like they are, you know, eighty five, eighty seven, maybe higher in terms of where they are right now in wins. Which, you know, if you're starting there, you got a pretty good chance. A couple things go right. You win 95 games, and you're one of the better teams in the league. But I just it's another situation where we're hoping on some guys to uh, pan out. And, you know, what do I always say? Hope is not a strategy. So uh, if you had to project their win total right now based on what they have right now, what do you think? Assuming Azuna goes back to the Cardinals. Uh, Assuming they don't add anybody else. Yeah, I think 88. Eight, man, 86, good. maybe. 86, maybe. Yeah. You but know, whatever, right? I mean, those numbers are just... Right, we're just just talking, man. Gosh, just we're just talking. So Marcelo Zuna, you know, that's the other thing, that's that the Reds had been hot navy on him. There was a Spanish-language report this week that Ozuna uh, had limited his options to the uh, Rangers and the Cardinals now, and uh, which would eliminate the Reds. And then also there was another report that said he basically he was desperate to go back to St. Louis. And then St. Louis made a trade today with Tampa where they, you know, shed some outfield uh, help. And it, looking an awful lot like he's going back to St. Louis if if you have to read the tea leaves. So, and I don't know what to think about that. I was never huge on Ozuna. But uh, when the Reds were still hot and heavy on him after the Akiyama sign, it made me wonder, what's what else is going on here? There's got to be a trade, right? Yeah, yeah. I would, I would think, but... Yeah, now I don't. Who knows? Who knows? So, I don't know. It, it, I, the Reds say they're going to do something else. They've got money to spend, but like you said, there's not a lot of people to spend that money on right now. And you know, if it's going to be trades, we will. You do have to say that they've improved the team so far this offseason while giving up nothing in terms of prospect capital. So they've still got some. You know, whoever they have to their assets, the minor league assets especially, they still have all those available to trade. So I don't know that. Yeah. You know, I would not be surprised at all, and I've said this before on here, but I would not be surprised at all if the Reds did have some kind of a blockbuster deal that included even some major league guys going away and and you know top prospects uh, leaving. I really would not be surprised at all to see something like that happen. But they'll be getting a superstar in return or a, a really good player in return if that happens, and that that'll be interesting if nothing else. Um, do you think Lindor is uh, or Seager or Carlos Correa, who there are some rumors from the Astros? You think any of those three guys are the Reds' opening day shortstop? Uh, I would, I would, uh, put Freddie Galvis at about a 90% and the, the field at 10, yeah. that particular field anyway, Any but man, that would be probably. awesome. Can you imagine? Well, now you put a guy like that in the, in the lineup and you're talking a 90 plus win team and uh legit favorite, you know, wow. The reds we're talking about here. So I don't know. I still just, I believe it's going to go wrong until it doesn't, you know. So I'm having a hard time dealing with the, the optimism of it. Are uh, you excited about the uh, Reds Caravan? Uh, I'm excited about the idea of the Reds Caravan. 
You ever been to the Reds, uh, one of these stops on the Reds caravan? You know, I have not. I think the first year I lived back here, there was a Reds caravan uh, just just down the street from where I live, maybe 10 minutes away. And I may have even taken my, my oldest son down there. He's kind of excited about it. And I, I was very naive. I, I may have... Maybe I went to one once when I was, you know, 25 years ago or something. Maybe. I don't remember it. But I just thought I'll pull up here, park, walk on in, you know, say hi to Marty, see what what all's going on, listen to Brandon Phillips talk or whatever. I I was so dumb. I mean, there were people (laughs) – there were cars parked, you know, a half mile away from this place. And it was clearly, like, oversubscribed, right? And I just – I was like, this is – terrible idea i'm not interested in spending my tuesday night standing outside waiting to get in there <laughs> and you're a guy that literally will sit here and talk baseball you know just for nothing for the, our, our viewers yeah, you know? yeah, uh, yeah. So, so you're you're pretty in all in on the reds but that's just a, little, pretty in. That's a bridge too far uh, yeah you know it's like a lot of those things it's like reds fest honestly like i like the idea of it more than i like kind of getting in amongst the the sweaty hordes of Reds fans, <laughs> the hoi polloi, and their their autograph <laughs> autograph binders. I, I know I'm killing I'm killing the the, uh, the ratings here. <laughs> I know that's, that's, that's a huge part of our audience, but yeah, no, yeah. I, it's just it's not for me. So I've been to Reds Fest a bunch of times. I've never gotten a single autograph. Um, I've given a couple of autographs actually. We did that last year, but yeah. um, but I, I can't believe that January sixteenth, Columbus, Ohio, at the Polaris Fashion Place. I know that's a you, you frequent that place so often. Big mall. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, it's like they have structured that that, that stop on the north tour of a <laughs> caravan for you. Uh, you, you know, I I was looking at these yesterday, <laughs> and uh, I got to admit, um, the the idea of seeing Corky Miller was uh, was the the big draw for me. My kids got Narcisco Crooks autograph uh, <laughs> last year at a at a Clippers uh, Bats game. Is so that, we got is, that taken care of? He's a real player. That's a real guy. Yeah, yeah. He hit a, hit a bomb after we uh, after he signed for us. So you got Mike Mustakas as well. David Bell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Assistant General Manager Sam Grossman. He can show us the math. <laughs> Although I've met Sam Grossman and he is a lovely individual and really smart and I uh, like him a lot. Um, Phil Castellini, chief operating mm-hmm. officer of the team. Brian Giesenschlag. Is that how you pronounce that? I, I never know if I'm I think so. That. I think so. And then, of course, your uh, fellow alum. Well, they must not like Tom because Tom Gutsch didn't get to go on the Athens leg of the the trip. That's the part that, that just blows my mind. <laughs> we'll let him go back to his alma mater, huh? Yeah, Marty's going to go to Athens and Tom's not. Uh yeah, Marty's on the uh, tour still, so he's not. Uh... Let's see where. Yeah, I thought about driving down to Athens for that one. That that looked a little more. Kind of looked because basically because it's Marty and Eric Davis are down there. Yeah, Marty, uh, Nick Crawl, uh, Eric Davis. Yeah, Jose Garcia, uh, who is maybe the next uh, shortstop in line in the Reds organization. Frankly, after Galvis, Lucas Sims, Aristides Aquino. Yeah, that's that's a little better. That's one going. That one's going to Athens, Charleston, West Virginia. Parkersburg, Vienna, West Virginia, Huntington, West Virginia. Why are they going to West Virginia and not Best Virginia? That's the That's, Commonwealth of Virginia. You should get on that South tour. And, and uh, are you are you in between Bowling Green and uh, Nashville in any way? Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, we could. They could stop in uh, Wise Virginia. 
There you go. Should have been Bristol, Tennessee. That's you know, or you know what, Greenville, Tennessee. They've got a rookie league team there. That's what they should be stopping. They should. That's I can. They've got a kind of a tight schedule there between Bowling Green and and uh, Nashville. Oh my goodness. They're going to make that an hour and forty five minutes. And how? I have no idea. Oh, they're going to. They must have. Uh, you know, they're going to go with a, like a, a A and B teams. You know, split squads I guess. like in spring training. So. That's the Dick Williams, Jeff Brantley, Tommy Thrall, Hunter Green, Jesse Winker, Sonny Gray leg of the tour. So I don't know. Uh, I don't know that we've ever talked about the caravan here on the podcast. It's scintillating. Uh, but I'm sure a lot of you will, will be going. And if you do, reach out and let us know how it went. I'm not going to be able to make it to any of those. I guess uh, Lexington's probably the closest to me. Yeah, I always like it when people send their pictures from, from the caravan. It always seems like a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, if you're into that, absolutely. So... Go celebrate the Reds. Uh, you want to answer some viewer mail questions? Because that's really about all the Reds uh, news we have this week. That's plenty. Let's do some viewer mail. Let's do some viewer mail. Before we get started, obviously, uh, the, the first uh, set of viewer mail questions are going to come from our supporters at patreon.com slash redlegradio. Got a new uh, subscriber this week, new patron at Patreon. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bungle this name, so I apologize ahead of time, but I'm going to try. Uh, Dennis Papasan? P-A-P-A-S-A-N. How would you pronounce that, Chris? I think that's that's how I'd, what I'd go Pop with. On. We'll say that. Um, Dennis, thank you so much for your support and for joining this uh, crazy pirate ship here, rumbling uh, through the, the wild seas. Dennis Papasan. Now, we usually try to give a, uh, a position that the player, that the, the new supporters play. I hear that position. I'm thinking uh, he's probably I, a mid-rotation starter, don't you think? I actually think he's an umpire. Oh, an umpire, the first umpire. Yeah. Okay, we'll go with that. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll go with that. <laughs> Behind yes. the plate, Dennis Papasan. <laughs> Dennis, you're much, chief. you're much better than the robot umps that they're trying to bring on. So, um, All right, some viewer mail questions. First comes from Joe Farsing. Joe with his traditional uh, goofball question to begin the viewer mail. He always gets in there first. Shogo or the Go-Go's? What do you think, Chris? Shogo Akiyama or the Go Go's? Oh, we're asking like, what, do you I like Belinda one, Carlisle yeah. better than than? Uh, I'm going with the Shogo guy. I'm not. A, I'm not a big Go Go. If it had been the Bangles, yeah, uh, yeah, I probably could have would have gone with the Bangles, Susanna Hoffs. But yeah, Belinda Carlisle, the Go Go's. Well, we got the beat. I don't know. No, yeah, on. you know Jane Weedlin. I think I yeah. think they're more of a uh, uh, some of their parts type. Uh, Type band, to be honest with you. Although Jane Wheedlin uh, was very good as Joan of Arc in one of the best movies of all time. You know which movie I'm referring to? Oh, Bill and Ted's? Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so there's a little uh, Bill and Ted trivia for you. You know they're making a new Bill and Ted movie. Did you see that, I Chris? I heard that. I yeah. thought I heard that. It's going to be great, I'm sure. Is it going to be? Um, I mean, can you think they can, can get Alex Winter? <laughs> I think he may have some time in his schedule. I think they've already begun... Uh, filming they may have finished filming it i don't know but yeah keanu and, and alex winter both um, slated for release august 21 2020 <laughs> mark your calendar oh can't wait thomas dennis asks at patreon.com slash redleg radio as you and chris garber did research for the book the name of which escapes me he's trying to provoke me to say that i'm not going to got jokes <laughs> who is the most colorful or interesting assistant coach it could also be a figure or other person who plays a big part of the organization that us common folk might not have heard of. Um, you know, uh, George Sugar is the guy that comes to my mind only because I remember that famous uh, 
1976 World Series. Uh, they got the mic on, uh, <laughs> on Sugar Bear. Yeah, on uh, Sparky Anderson. We're going to be world champs again, Sugar Bear. I'm telling you right now, we're going to be world <laughs> champions again. That's my favorite. Um, well, you know, I'm a Jimmy Wilson. Uh, I'm in the tank for Jimmy Wilson. Oh, Jimmy Wilson. And there's some uh, interesting anecdotes about Jimmy Wilson in that book, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm a, I'm a big Jimmy Wilson fan. I may have told these stories before, but Jimmy Wilson was a coach on the 1940 Reds. And he had uh, been a catcher in the major leagues for, for a long time. And the, the roster, the treatment of rosters at that point period in baseball was much more loose and, and flexible than it is now. And so he actually would get activated periodically. I think in 38 and 39, he caught like two or three games each year. Supposedly once he umpired a game, like the umpires didn't make it. And like he and a coach from the other team umpired the game. And it's kind of like loosey goosey, but he was really a coach and he was retired. He was like, uh, I don't know, 40, I think that year. And anyway, uh, Ernie Lombardi had been battling injuries most of the summer and down the pennant race, and they tried a few other young catchers, and they were all basically complete failures. I mean, these guys were all batting in like the one the one uh, hundreds, and so um, and this is also after Willard Hershberger killed himself, so they were just needed somebody to catch, and so they activated Jimmy Wilson in the last two weeks of the season basically and he didn't do great but he you know he, he did okay and he immediately got hurt and was basically like getting two hours of, of training room uh treatment every night before the game but uh wilson you know lombardi was trying to come back for the postseason and wilson played a little bit more and wilson ended up catching six six of the uh the world series games that year batted 353 and uh, even stole a base uh, somehow in the, in one of the, the World Series games. So uh, the Reds ended up um, – the, the team ended up getting one of those bases and, and, like, giving it to Jimmy Wilson and his wife. And he went off to, I believe, manage the Cubs for the 1941 41 season. So he was finally like, I'm actually done. Right. Uh, and they, the the Cubs hired him, and he managed there for three years during the war, and uh, then he got he went started this forty four season one and nine and got fired, and then he he dropped dead two cool. years later, so well, kind of a, took a sad dark turn, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, anyway, Jimmy Wilson was uh, my favorite coach that I learned about during writing the book. You know, you and I have talked a, a number of times uh, at various outlets about uh, what we were trying to do with the with the book. And obviously we're talking about the Big 50, and it's still a, a perfectly uh, viable book. There's nothing that happened last year that we would have needed to add. So it's uh, timely. Go get it. Give it to your friends. Tell everybody about it. But anyway, um, that's a perfect example of what we, we've talked about, which is that one thing that you and I, I think, tried to do is that in the chapters where you know people sort of knew the stories, we tried to find little things that people didn't know, and then we tried to really dig deep into some of these older uh, teams and and learn things ourselves because we're you know we're as big Reds uh, fans as anyone, and we wanted to really find things that we didn't know. And that Jimmy Wilson story, I, I never I had never heard of any of that before uh, the process of writing the book, and that's it's a fascinating baseball story that had kind of been forgotten a little bit the history until uh, the Big Fifty brought it back, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, quickly, we don't have to go too deep into it, but I want to say other figure or other persons who played a big part of the organization. Um, there's another chapter in the book. Um, 
and I believe it was Chris's idea to conclude these, this, and I thought it was a great idea. The Stowe and Schwab families, huge parts of the res organization that most people don't know a whole lot about. So, anything you have to add to that? No, I, I mean the Schwabs were. Everybody knew about the the Stowe family, but the Schwabs were the ones that that just blew my mind. I think, and I'm going to get the details wrong, but basically those guys were the groundskeepers at the the Cincinnati ballparks from like the 1890s through the installation of AstroTurf at Riverfront Stadium. Is that right? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the way back. I mean, you know. Uh, it's fascinating, fascinating stuff. So we won't get too deep into that. You can go go read about it. Uh, read the book. Yeah, all your finest booksellers. Jeff Walter asks, "What do you predict will be the biggest changes in Major League Baseball during the 2020s? The biggest changes in MLB during the 2020s. The, the more biggest change is that the Reds are going to be good for the entire decade. That's a big change. I'm predicting mm-hmm. that now. Yeah." Um, you know, um, I think the biggest changes to me, and I'll let you weigh in for anything you, you can think of, Chris, but I just think the biggest change we're going to see one way or the other is going to be something with respect to the collective bargaining agreement. And uh, I think things, there may be a strike, but I think things are going to change drastically with how the players and the owners, although I don't know because the players' union is run by not exactly the brightest bulbs sometimes it seems like. But um, that, to me, that's that's going to be the biggest thing. We've got these other little rules around the margins, you know, pitch clocks, whatever, robot umps. I don't think we're going to see that in, during the 2020s, but we may. But uh, to me, that's what there's going to be some kind of big change that's going to really affect the way that players are paid and and how uh, you know um, how the whole market exists around baseball. You have any thoughts on what the biggest change will be in there in the 2020s? Uh, you're probably right. I was gonna I was gonna say something to do with technology, whether it's robot umps or or some of these kind of crazier things they're talking about in terms of uh, encrypting the signals between the pitcher and the catcher. But I, I think those things probably the, the latter of those won't be a, a major change. It'll it'll be a blip, and, and yeah. along with the pitch clock, people will get used to it after one season. Yeah, you know, uh, let me ask you this: This is something that I've always been kind of. I'm a, I've been a baseball fan forever. I'm one of these uh, traditional baseball fans, and I've been resistant to change over the years. But, you know, I look at every other sport, and every single other sport changing the rules <laughs> every year, basically. Why shouldn't baseball? Well, that's a fair question. I mean, but I guess the, the answer to that is I don't like looking at a basketball court with 16 sets of lines on it. <laughs> well, that's, it, that's true. It offends my aesthetic uh, <laughs> soul. I don't know. I think baseball's pretty close to – pretty close to perfect and i think a lot of the 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 appeal not you know for for all baseball fans is the sense of tradition and and we know that you know a, a somebody from 1930 probably wouldn't make it onto the field in 2020 but it's still the same game it's still the same measurements it's, it's still the same silly pants <laughs> yeah, certainly the same silly pants yeah but i think you say it's a, a perfect game close to a perfect game and it is closer than any other game but on the other hand it's as far from perfect as it's ever been in my lifetime seems like i don't they have to do something to put, get more balls put into play they do and i don't know what the smart thing to do i don't is. either i don't either but I, I think that makes the game a lot better um my idea was it was a, a pitcher's trench instead of a mound to make them start on a, some sort of some sort of depression in the middle of the field, a hole, if you will. And I like that idea. Throw, climb out of the hole and throw the ball. I'm sure we'll see that. Absolutely. Joe Farsing asks, better Rooster Cogburn, Jeff Bridges or John Wayne? 
You have any strong thoughts on this? No, I like I like the the Coen's movie better than the original. So, yeah, I mean John Wayne's it's John a, Wayne. It's all. I mean, they're all horrifically overacting in that role. So, <laughs> yeah, no question, no question. Of course, we're talking about the movie's uh, True Grit, uh, more recent one by the Coen Brothers, starring Jeff Bridges, and then the original starring John Wayne. You know, I'm gonna have to call this one a dead tie just because uh, I like both those guys in that role, and it's kind of a ridiculous role. You're right, but it's also a, both of the movies are ridiculously entertaining. So I'm going to go with both. Kyle Kapler asks, will the yahoos on Twitter leave you alone now that Jose Iglesias plays for Baltimore? You know, I've, I've gotten some heat over my uh, stance on Jose Iglesias, which is that he's a pretty you good fielder, but he can't hit. Oh, <laughs> he plays for Baltimore. He signed a one year, $3 million contract, which is not exactly, uh, you know, on the forefront of free agent contracts these days, but it uh, represents the fact that he's a perfectly reasonable major league player which is all I've ever said. But, you know, he's went to the worst team in the league and, or, you know, one of the worst teams. And, you know, good luck to him. Jose Iglesias has played hard for the Reds and his glove was beautiful. He is a professional athlete continuing to play professionally. Good, good for him. Yeah. So, and I hope he does well in Baltimore and they can uh, exercise that team option for another $3 million year. Hey, look, I'd like somebody to give me $3 million to play for the Orioles. I'd take $3 million to do just about anything. Uh, oh, well, then we may, need, we may need to talk after we're finished here. Nathan Connor asks, uh, Chad, I posted the list of shortstops ranked by their 2019 WRC Plus over on the Red Leg Nation Slack channel. That's uh, If you don't know what Slack is, you can look it up. But we have a Slack channel for our patrons where we all just talk about the Reds and other dumb stuff all the time. But anyway, uh, the list of shortstops ranked by their 2019 uh, Weighted Runs Created Plus. The list ends with Iglesias and Galvis. So if the Reds are looking to upgrade their offense at that position, one may refer to that list and look for a player ranked higher than those two. None of the names seem reasonably attainable. Do any of the non-Lindor Seeger players on the list catch your eye and strike you as someone that would be a match? Now, um, let me say first that we're talking about WRC+. Plus, and that's where I've gotten in trouble with about the Jose Iglesias because he, he's a you know, basically down. You didn't look at RBI. <laughs> exactly. Two strike hits. That's the that's what people tell me. He gets a lot of hits with two strikes. Okay. Um, and but you do have to recognize that Iglesias and Galvis, Galvis as well, uh, good with the glove. So it's not you know, it's not all about offense necessarily. You have to give them credit for the fact that they can both play defense. And and Galvis is good enough with the glove and has a little bit of enough of a pop to make him. You, know, you can kind of squint and see a guy that you don't mind having there. If the Reds start with Freddie Galvis, I'm not going to be really upset. I don't want it to happen. I want him to be the backup infielder. But I do look up above him on the list, and you know, I wanted Jonathan VR because he was on a one-year deal. You know, basically the Orioles replaced. They didn't want to pay 10 million to VR, yeah. so they replaced him with Jose Iglesias. And I just don't, you know, I don't know if that's a good trade. Um, so I would, I, don't, I would like to have had VR in a one-year, you know one-year deal until he hit free agency and let him be a stopgap if they couldn't get somebody better. Of course, that didn't happen. Um, yeah, it's it's Seager, it's Lindor, it's, uh, you know, Javi Baez. No, guys, Trey Turner, the Reds aren't going to get him. The only guy that's maybe available, Bregman, Alex Bregman's up at the top of the list, and I love that guy. Um, Trevor Story is a guy that people keep mentioning to me and is probably available. But, you know, I... I look at his wins above replacement numbers, and I think, oh, I would like to have that guy. And then I look at his numbers away from Colorado, and they're they're average. <laughs> you know, he's an average hitter away from Colorado. Now, maybe slightly above average when you consider they play in those big parks out there. But 
I don't know. I'm not. I'm he's not. Got a lot of. He's got hits for a lot of power. He really does. Yeah, I mean. But, I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's all Denver. He's better than Freddie Galvis, I would say. <laughs> you know, that's what we call damning with faint praise. Um, again, I don't. Yeah, you no, you're right. He he loses almost 200 points of slugging when he leaves Coors Field. Yeah, I mean, I just. Uh, I don't. I don't know what kind of. I don't know who he is as a player, frankly. And so, I, you know, what it would take to get him. The Rockies may value him way more than anybody else does, and so it might not be worth it. Um, so, there's one other name here. Who did I see that uh, I was interested in? Certainly not Dansby Swanson. I'll tell you that right now. Oh, Dave Concepcion. Oh, Dave Concepcion. Oh, yeah. What about Glaber Torres? The Reds probably could have had him, right? <laughs> well, depends on when they traded Chapman. <laughs> oh, good. So yeah, I mean that's that's the thing. They, they, the Reds went for D, we've been talking about shortstops this uh, most of this episode. They went after Didi Gregorius and weren't able to get that one done. And uh, you know at the time we were like, well, I hate that, but okay, there's other options, and we'll see what they do with trade or whatever. And, and it's really starting to look like they're going to have some real difficulty improving that position. And so uh, you know I don't know who's out there other than the guys like Lindor's and Seegers. Again, I don't know why the Dodgers would even consider trading Seager unless they had a Lindor. For example, uh, so I you said I think what ninety five percent versus five percent for the field on Galvis. I I think it might even be higher than that. Uh, I think Freddie Galvis is probably your starting shortstop. Yeah, oh, I mean that's not awful, but it's, no, it's just one of these things. They they need to upgrade one of those positions. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean they've upgraded second base. They've, they've upgraded up, second. They've upgraded the outfield. Somewhat. Probably. They've, Probably. They've increased their chances of having three good players in the outfield. There you go. That's a good I way think to put what it. they've done. I don't think they've – I mean, Aquino still has the highest ceiling of all the guys they've got. Uh, we're not depending on hope as much in the outfield as we were. Right. And so that's a good thing. But, yeah, I just – I feel like they need just a little bit more in terms of offense. And, and again, I'm really worried about what happens when Freddie Galvis gets hurt in, you know, week three. I'm not predicting that. Please do not tweet at me and do not – Oh, no. Don't tell Freddie Galvis. Now you've done it. That. Now yeah. you've done it. Freddie Galvis's mom is going to be. <laughs> oh, Hunter Green, I love you. Uh, Gary Hilliard asks, I was recently in Las Vegas for a conference. While I was there, I put $25 on the Reds to win the National League pennant at 20 to 1 odds. What do you think the Reds' realistic chances of winning the National League pennant are? You an odds maker, Chris? You got some I'm odds not. for me? Does that mean five, Does that mean a 5%? Is that what twenty to one means? Or okay, I think so. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't know how the gambling part works. So I'm not much of a gambler. Um, so I, you know, I don't know. Um, I just like Kenny Rogers. <laughs> Very good. Uh, do you remember this website they used to have called? Uh, a friend of mine just reminded me of it uh, literally two days ago. Men who look like Kenny Rogers dot com. I don't know if that's <laughs> no, still, don't, no. Yeah, look I, and see if that's still a thing. I don't know, but. We, 10, 12 years ago, he used to pull that up every day, and we would just cackle at these <laughs> men who look like Kenny Rogers. So, um, anyway. No, this is all Kenny, – Kenny has, I think, mooted this by his unfortunate plastic surgery. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. But he knows when to hold them and when to fold them. That's true. Uh, you know, I would say – I don't know in terms of odds because I'm not uh, – you know, I'm not uh, really – I don't understand that all that world, frankly, but – I think the Reds do have a realistic chance of winning the National League pennant. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know how to put a number on that or how to ascribe any kind of, of percentages, but we're talking they're in the you know mid to high eighties in terms of win expectations. And so, 
if you can get in the playoffs, as far as I'm concerned, you got as good a chance as just about anybody in a short series of winning the National League pennant, making it to the World Series. So, And they're in the mix of teams that have a chance of making the, the playoffs. So I don't know. You know, it's, it's better than where we've been the last five, six years. So I'll take it. Yeah, I'd, do it. I'd take that bet. Matt Sheary at patreon.com slash redlegradio with uh, the most, uh, I don't know if morbid's the right word, but uh, I don't know if I approve of this question, Matt, but I'm going to ask it anyway, or let you ask it. Would you rather lose your vision or your hearing? Ooh. Oh, that's tough, man. I think I'd, I think I'd, I'm not going to say, I don't want to lose either one. I think I'd rather <laughs> lose my hearing though, because I could still like read the subtitles on a movie and stuff like that. Yeah, I think it's got to be hearing, but uh, let's let's not do either of those. Woo the Reds asks, Chris, I don't know if I've ever asked you, do you approve of the woo at the at the Reds game? My opinion on the woo is I've expressed many times. Uh, I, I, I do not like the woo, and the amount of which I dislike the woo is almost exactly the amount I dislike hearing Reds-affiliated media members complain about the woo. <laughs> Very good. Very good. So which one annoys me more? I don't know. It <laughs> it's a toss-up. Who the Reds question is, do you think Derek Jeter's career is worthy of being a unanimous first ballot Hall of Fame inductee? Now that Mariano Rivera broke the ceiling of a perfect ballot, do you expect we'll regularly see unanimous inductees, especially with the more popular players amongst the media? Uh, my opinion is uh, there's a couple of different ways to analyze that. If you're looking at the history of uh, of Hall of Fame voting, and they've completely lost me on Hall of Fame voting. I used to be obsessed with the Hall of Fame, and now baseball writers have screwed it up so bad that I, you know, I've, I've lost interest in it. Uh, no, he's not worthy of being a unanimous first ballot Hall of Fame inductee. If you know the greats of the game weren't, if Willie Mays was not unanimous, then Derek Jeter is. Now that's not saying he's not a Hall of Famer. He's absolutely worthy of being a Hall of Famer. So if he were unanimous or whatever, that's fine. But I do think we probably will see more unanimous inductees now that, of all people, Mariano Rivera. Broke the uh, the glass ceiling there. Bizarre. Um, not that Mario Romero wasn't good or wasn't a Hall of Famer, but th- that's the guy? You know, not Junior Griffey? Yeah, right. I mean, so, uh, you have any thoughts about that? You love Derek Jeter. I know you... Uh, uh, yeah, I, I respect him. Or re- <laughs> to peck him, or whatever you call it. Uh, yeah, I mean, is there any excuse for not voting Derek Jeter into the Hall of Fame? No. Is there any excuse for not voting Derek Jeter in the Hall of Fame the first time you're asked? No. But is Derek Jeter the second best player in baseball history? No. Yeah. I think there actually is a reason not to vote for him this year if you're trying to uh, use some game theory or something and get some of these other guys to either stay on the ballot that deserve Hall of Fame because there's so many good potential inductees this year. You know, you, can, you could find 10 other guys, and you know other guys are going to vote for Jeter. Maybe you, you, you send your ballot somebody. Other. So I guess you, know, you could make that excuse, but – no, he's not a. He's not even an inner circle Hall of Famer, which is what you're talking about with unanimous. He's a, he's a legitimate Hall of Famer, but uh, you know he's not the best shortstop of all time. That obviously was uh, you know Paul Yanish. So, Brian Bowdy asks, the Reds went the last two decades and a half without advancing to the National League Championship Series. What additional moves the Reds need to make this offseason to give them a good chance to make it this year? That's kind of what we've been talking about this whole uh, episode, actually, but. Um, I think they need one more bat. I think one more bat makes them, as uh, Brian puts it, uh, gives them a good chance to make it to the uh, NLCS this year. Um, you know, uh, saying they went the last two decades and a half is, that's true. It's a fact. But, 
you know, it's, I've already said it's such a crapshoot when you get to the playoffs. That 2010 or 2000, especially the 2012 team, absolutely should have uh, made it that far. But, you know, whatever. So uh, I, I, they need one more bat. They need a, preferably a shortstop. I just don't know who that's going to be. What do you think? I Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I, I feel like I don't have anything else to add to that particular. Yeah, we've kind of. Uh, already already beaten that one a little bit. Andrew Scott Wills asks, which is more inconvenient for you to watch live? Late night West Coast games or midweek getaway games? More inconvenient for you to watch live? Late night West Coast games or midweek getaway games? That's For me, it's easy, the midweek getaway games. I'm kind of a night owl anyway. Um, and the midweek getaway games, you know, the Reds are uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm having to work. So, what's more inconvenient for you to watch live? Uh, the work. Yeah. I can't watch it live. Right, yeah. Uh, sometimes I can put it on the background if I'm working uh, in my office, but uh, on the radio, but and sort of follow it that way. Uh, I do have a fond memory of late night West Coast games uh, growing up when I would lay in bed and fall asleep to them uh, as a teenager, listening to the dulcet tones of Marty Brenneman and Joe Nuxall. Hooper Powell, on past podcasts, you've been given uh, to viewers roster spots on a baseball team. What position, though, would you, Doug, Bill, and Chris be? I didn't mention Jason because I think he <laughs> lacks any athleticism. That's not very nice, Hooper. Come on. Also, he asked if I'm any relation to former White Sox pitcher Rich Dotson. No, but I really wanted to claim that because he was the only player named Dotson growing up. Um so now he was kind of portly at the end of his career, wasn't he? Is that is that a comment on me? I mean, really, are you attacking me? Is no, that, that, is? Uh, that was a, that was a nice remark to you, saying you didn't resemble him. But <laughs> ah, I, I may be confusing him with Terry Forster. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, fat tub of goo, Terry Forster. Um, That's right. Now you can tell us what your position uh, actually was. Uh, what position would you play primarily? I feel like we did this once, didn't we? I, didn't I, we? Uh, we might have. I, I don't like, remember. I really do. Uh, I was. I was. Uh, Quite possibly the worst defensive outfielder in high school sports history. Okay, so you were. I was the kind of left fielder. I was Adam Dunn. Uh, imagine Adam Dunn as a singles hitter. Okay, and so cool. a, a foot and a half shorter. All right, I'm imagining it. Yeah, that's pretty much it. It was to the point where my uh, my coaches would would turn their turn their back to the field when when a fly ball was hit the left. Rather than watch my misadventures, <laughs> the misadventures of Chris Garber, um, Bill Lack, he's probably a first baseman or maybe like a like a first base coach. Maybe I don't know. Do <laughs> you think Bill owns a pair of those uh, bike brand coaches shorts? <laughs> the old school, like early, late seventies, early eighties, the um, double button. <laughs> oh, those are the pockets. classic coaches shorts. Yeah. Pockets. <laughs> I, I'm sure Bill did not own those. Um, he may have back in the day. My dad certainly did. Um, Doug Gray, uh, I don't know, a catcher? I don't know. Doug played. I don't know what to ask him. Now, with me, my position, do you have any guesses about my position, Chris, before I reveal it? Um, second to base. Okay. We, uh, you know, at my, at my high school, we had a Virginia High School Hall of Fame uh, baseball coach, and uh, he knew what he was, was doing, and the position that he ultimately made sure that I uh, was able to play was uh, number two seed on the tennis team. <laughs> that was his suggestion. Yeah. So let me let me hold your glove for a minute, son. 
Oh, I wish I could say on this family podcast what he actually said. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I really want to say it. It's really funny, actually, in, in retrospect. Nathan Sturworth asks, who are some of the worst free agents that the Reds gave a major contract to in recent memory? Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure there's a whole lot of people competing for this, uh, but he mentions some guys that I really don't know that are uh, you would consider a major contract, actually, because the Reds have given out so few major contracts. I know that Nathan's trying to come up with some names, but John Vanderwall, Jack <laughs> Hanahan, Eric Milton, Skip Schumacher, and Corey Lytle. I... <laughs> I know, right? None of those were major, except for Milton. But they're major for the Reds because the Reds have never made. Yeah, I mean, maybe it was Corey Lytle. I didn't even know he was a, a, a free agent acquisition by the Reds. I don't remember that either. I'm looking him up uh, now um, to see. Let's see. Uh, he was yes, yeah, I was a free agent January 6, 2004, by the uh, Cincinnati Reds, um, and then traded in August of that year to the Phillies for uh, a player to be named later, who ended up being Elizardo Ramirez. That should have been discussed on the Random Reds yes, episode a few months absolutely. ago. So, Corey Lytle, uh, rest in peace. Um, he was actually pretty good with the Reds. You know, I mean, he was well, not pretty good. It's not pretty good. Actually, I'm looking at him. He was must have been better or worse than I remembered. I remembered him being pretty good, but I'm looking at his numbers, and no, they weren't that great. Not so much. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, it's Eric Milton was the, the worst. I mean, we we can make our jokes, and we talk about Eric Milton all the time, but... Uh, you know, he follows me on Twitter, so I can't say much now. Is that right? It is. It is correct. Yes. Wow. But uh, Milton tried hard, and they gave him a lot of money, and he was awful. So that's absolutely the worst. Uh, best free agent the Reds gave a major contract to uh, Mike Mustakas. <laughs> that's the only one. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. I think you're Dave Parker. Parker. Parker probably was is. he a free agent? I think he, he was. was right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, in recent years, Ryan Ludwig was actually okay for a while. Um, what other free agent? I can't think of any other free well, agents. Here's, here's a bad free agent signing that you probably doesn't follow you on Twitter. Is Joey Hamilton. How do you know Joey Hamilton doesn't follow me on Twitter? Well, I just assume he doesn't. Oh, okay. You're, you're probably right. I don't know. Um, yeah, Joey Hamilton. Yeah, he was... Uh, that was during that era when the Reds were taking flowers on these guys. And, and every single one of them, I was like, ooh, you know, he's been kind of good at times in the past. I bet that's going to be good, you know, and it never was. Never worked out. No, it didn't. So, no, I guess not. Well, anyway, uh, Chris, I, you know, I don't know. I think we've kind of beaten this one to death. There's not a lot of Reds news going on this week, but we are committed to bringing you a new podcast every single week. So here we are. You get the content, whether it's uh, you want it or not. That's right. Hash Brown content. Uh, any final thoughts about the Cincinnati Reds? Go Reds. Go Reds. That's about all you can say. You know, this is... Uh, Red Lake Nation Radio, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can, you know, tell your friends about us if you like us, all that. Leave us a rating review. You hear me say it every week. I'm not going to go through that whole spiel again. Uh, I do, you know, want to uh, give a, uh, just some notice to our uh, friends at Patreon. Got, it's growing uh, just about every week, and I really appreciate all the people that are following us over there. And a really active uh, conversation in our Slack channel, so you can get that for the lowest amount uh, of support over at Patreon. So come join us if you want. If you don't, don't so no big deal. We're going to be, still be here every week in your feeds. Um, Chris, you know, I usually sign off with, uh, you know, uh, naming some other person uh, on the podcast, you know, I'd say for Chris Garber and then someone else. Who do you think I should uh, should use on this one? Mm. I'm thinking... Um, Patrick Kivlehan? Ooh, Patrick Kivlehan. Not Susanna Hoffs? 
<laughs> Not bad. <laughs> we'll go with for Chris Garber, Patrick Kivelhan, and Susanna Hoffs. I love it in your room at night. This is Chad Dawson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.